it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This show can be found on Podcast DC, the new local app with hundreds of options in local news, health, and, of course, of the DMV region. Download the Podcast DC app to hear all the Empire shows as well as the other great content. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Today, my friend and longtime colleague Rick Snyder joins me for a little walk down memory lane as we talk about past quarterback battles that we've seen, coaches he's covered, a fun Brad Johnson story that cost Daniel Snyder $250,000, his stadium analysis, and more. Rick is still plugged in on various aspects of the stadium situation and offers good insight into certain plots of land and areas that may or may not be viable for a new stadium, including the old RFK site. You can follow Rick on Twitter at Snide underscore remarks. He's also part of a podcast called The Seasons of Discontent. He'll plug all his work at the end of our conversation. There are a few different places you can follow. It would take me three more minutes to give them all. And of course, you can read me on ESPN.com. I'll have a story up later this week on running back Antonio Gibson. I'm pretty bullish on Gibson for 2021. Anyway, I really don't have much else to add right now. If you missed my mailbag edition, I answered a bunch of questions last week. Also had an insightful interview with head coach Ron Rivera talking about the quarterback battles, some of the lingering health issues. I shouldn't say issues, but some of the lingering ways he still has to um, deal with the cancer situation, how he's really not fully recovered and all about that. Anyway, check him out. Now, let's get to my conversation with longtime Washington area reporter, Rick Snyder. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, Rick, you and I have both been around a while. We're back in a summer of expectations with this football team. What are you buying at this point? Uh, I guess I'll buy a lukewarm winning season of 10 wins, which is now seven losses. Uh, I think they can win the NFC East because I don't see anybody else that's so much better. Just because Dallas is getting the quarterback back doesn't mean they're going to win the division. Uh, I see a really good defense, and whenever you have that, you have a real chance to win. So I'm I'm expecting them to finally, you know, punch through and be something decent. What what would be your concerns? And I know we I did the reporter survey last week, but we touched on some of the stuff. But what would be your concerns that would would you know, say, well, yeah, but. All right. Well, I mean, defensively, I have no concerns at all. I think they're really going to be great. But offensively, 
all right, quarterback, I'm lukewarm on whatever's going on there. And then the skills players that we all talk about, you know, like I saw they were the receivers were ranked the 24th unit in the NFL by one group. And I thought, I thought they were a little better than that. But it's Terry McLaurin and a bunch of guys. They're decent guys, you know, but sometimes somebody like, uh, you know, might get a lot more catches here than they would elsewhere because there isn't anybody else here. So it makes them look better here than they would be elsewhere. I think that's a lot of the offense. I'm not sold that they have a great running back. I think they have a bunch of receivers that can do things. So if they can dial it up right, the offense will be decent. But And it always comes back to the quarterback. And I'm not a big Fitzpatrick guy. Yeah, he's a fun guy and all that. But I got 16 years of history versus 16 games that people want to cherry pick. Uh, and I just don't think he's – I don't know that he's it. I know that's what basically uh, Rivera said. I got a race car. Don't wreck it. And he sometimes wrecks them. Yeah. And, and I would be curious to see, because like, I think adding Curtis Samuel is a big deal at receiver. Um, he's been a nice, he was a nice weapon for Carolina. Um, and I am like, I'll be honest. Like, I'm a big fan of Antonio Gibson at running back. I think he's going to be pretty good. I don't know that he's going to be a, I don't think he's a 20 carry a game guy but I think he's a guy who can really help you. So, but I do think like with Fitzpatrick, I agree. I think there are definitely questions there. Like what can he do? And if he can't do it exactly, where's Taylor Heineke? And I think, you know, we've, again, we've been around long enough to know that you hear this flavor of the month guy coming along, you know, with, I mean, with Taylor Heineke, is he just that? Is he just the typical Washington backup who becomes more popular? Well, it's interesting about Kyle Allen too. Didn't hear Rivera say much about him. Is it because say anything. Having, or because I thought that was his kind of guy. So yeah, where's where's uh, Allen figuring this too? Uh, I think you keep all three. I think you know when you ask how many games does Ryan play, I think the over under is is eleven, but I think the other guys will be on the field partly because of injuries and such. Uh, I like Taylor. I you we both watched him in the camps. I thought he had some good moments and I thought he puked on himself a few times too. I mean, there was a, a 20 a red zone drill. He couldn't crack an egg in like six different tries. Right. Right. You know, I, I think he has some pluses and I just look at like Kurt Warner, not to make him Kurt Warner, but Kurt Warner was, was basically out of the league bagging groceries, playing AFL. And he showed up out of nowhere and had a great team around him and did some really great things. Could this be another guy? I mean, you see one every so many years. Could Taylor be that guy? I mean, that's asking a lot, but I don't asking think. a lot. Yeah, he's not awful. No, he's not. And I, you know, I think, you know, again, in Washington, we know how it goes. I mean, what was your, what's been your favorite quarterback competition to write about during your time covering this team? Uh, maybe Heath and Gus. I mean, that was, you know, not that either of them were going to the Hall of Fame, but, you know, Heath was a big name. And I used to tell people, people ask me about Joe Gibbs was like, and I tell a story because it involves Heath, is when Norv Turner first came, one of his first practices up in Frostburg, he, he throws an interception. And Norv runs across the field yelling, Heath, what the blankety blank blank are you doing? And the crowd hushed because, you know, Joe Gibbs had been coaching there. And I don't think I ever have heard Joe Gibbs say a curse word. So... You know, it was sort of like, holy cow, what a difference. And that was Heath doing that, and he made North. Right. And Gus comes out of nowhere as a seventh rounder. And what I think Gus did in his whole career was 
he was really quick to learn something and he would get you here and then he would just stay here. He right. go, no matter where he went, he was a quick study as a backup. But those two were about, you know, the same age, come in together. You know, it was it's not like RG3 and Kirk, you know, they came in two together. But, you know, that was a different different dynamic. But, you know, if you ask my favorite quarterback, I think it might have been Brad Johnson. You know, Why is that? He was good. Uh, he was a good guy. You know, that team was on the verge of being decent. And then, you know, all hell broke loose again. Uh, but I, I think he was probably the best one of them all. Well, I, I, I agree. I mean, and going back to the Heath and Gus, too, what I also remember is just, you know, they how Gus kind of came out of nowhere in that training camp, that first camp. And, and remember, they used to have those inter-squad scrimmages. And then it was a full padded workout, too. I mean, they would go hard in those things. And Gus had a strong scrimmage. And I think that was the first time. And even Sonny Jurgensen would talk about him, you know, about like, didn't, don't you remember? Like, he kind of felt like Gus might be the better of the two. Yeah, I do remember that. I remember our late friend Warner Hessler used to chart completions yeah. uh, and interceptions and drive Norv crazy doing that because he would knock down how many each guy was doing. And Norv hated that so badly. But yeah, I remember Sonny saying that. And another time we were in my, uh, we were in Miami for a, a scrimmage against the Dolphins. And beforehand, Scott Blanton and Matt Turk would throw balls to receivers. And Sonny would go, it's a damn shame when your punter and kicker have their best arms in camp. <laughs> That's what Heath and Gus were around, too. Yeah, no, they were. And I also remember, because if you remember with Heath, first of all, he signed several days into training camp. And we were all camped out. I think that was my first, that was my first year of covering the team. So I had no clue what I was doing, but we were camped out in the one room in in Carlisle eating pizza and waiting for Heath to show up with his agent. Like he finally showed up at midnight. Yeah. And but I also remember after the first practice, I think I don't know if it was Dan Daly or somebody was like, Kid can't play. Yeah. I remember I think he was 13 days late signing. Yeah. Uh, on that. It was back then first routers held out. Yeah, you know, I you and I am not a scout, and certainly you look at guys harder than I do, but I can tell ballers. I can spot them right away, and I usually can tell who can't play. And it's not a, a fair assessment. But it's just my personal judgment. But I've been watching right. a long time. And you see, I see guys every year. Sometimes I go, wow, who is that? And other times you're like, no, nah, no. Nah. And I'm usually right about it. With, <laughs> yeah. Well, you also, and maybe I don't know if you want to share this story, but you gave Brad a little bit of info at the end of his second season that, with the Larry Center thing? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, I guess my limitations is out, so I can do it. So Larry Centers has a $250,000 bonus if he can catch seven passes in the last game. So I went to Brad Johnson and told him, throw seven balls. And they threw that last one to Larry, I think, with a minute or something, and the players carried him off the field. And I didn't even get a fruit basket out of that. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, if you remember that game – he threw like four screens or something like that to centers in the first half. It was it was ridiculous what they were doing, but it was all in the first half because Brad knew he was going, and then and he didn't care. And I think it was a I think it was a fun way for him to leave. Yeah, and everybody liked Bernie. Yeah, two fifty back then was really good money. You know, it was a bonus. Yeah. Not that it is now, but yeah, we used to have fun with things like that. So. I wish Larry had acknowledged that maybe he could still send me a fruit basket. He's cheap out of you. <laughs> but, but it is funny. But, but Brad, you know, Brad was a good quarterback. 
after that, there's Jason and Mark Brunel and, you know, uh, Robert and Kirk. I mean, those are some of the other bigger ones because we haven't had, I mean, Patrick Ramsey, but Ramsey was here with like Danny Werfel and, Sh- and Shane Matthews. I mean, that wasn't exactly a competition. So with, you know, what do you, with um, Brunel and, and Jason, what, what do you recall there? Yeah, I mean, the Beck versus um, Rex, Rex, you know, and Shanahan, you know, risking his reputation on it openly. <laughs> You're thinking yeah. either one of these guys can play. I mean, Rex a little bit. At least Rex will give you something good. Beck had nothing. Right. I liked Players him. liked Rex, too. I, I liked Rex. You know, remember the game he threw five interceptions? Yeah. And I think it was Wednesday we got him, and he said wanted to go through it. And at first he said, well, y'all are too stupid to understand. But then he went through it. And I learned a lot. Every single interception, he went through it. So yeah. he didn't know why he was doing shit. He just couldn't stop. Yeah, that well, was the do you remember that year when he got benched? He, you know, part of it was because of the interceptions. And then Beck was terrible. And Rex was also hurt and for a couple of games. But Beck was terrible. And players wanted him out after a game. And they wanted Rex back in. So he came back in. The first game, he was very cautious. And he was like, you know, he, I just I didn't want to throw a pick. I didn't want to throw a pick. Well, the next game, he started firing away like the old Rex Grossman. He came back in. He told us in the press room, like, I just got to a point where I said, F it. I'm just going to go downfield. That's what I do. And that's what he did because that's what he had to do. That was his style. But he was fun to cover. He, he, was, he was fun to cover. But I, the, most, the most incredible quarterback to watch was RG3. Just because I remember in minicamp how excited the veterans were around him. It was like he's the guy that's going to make something happen. And normally a rookie doesn't, you know, they don't rally around a rookie like that. But they did that time. And, of course, the fans were insanely, you know, it sounded like cicadas, you know, RG3. You know, that's all you'd hear during the training camps. And saw anything like that. Never saw the rise and fall of anything like that. You know, they wanted to all kill him. Well, and it's it's also you're right though because like at training camp, and now the first year their camp was in um, Ashburn, the second year it was in Richmond, and when you were down there, remember you know they would have like ten, sometimes ten thousand people at a training camp in Richmond that first year because they're coming off that title and because of Robert and the attention that he would get from fans and how long he'd stay after out there to sign and everything. He certainly understood his responsibilities with it, but you're right, the noise level around him was different. It, it was just screaming nonstop for the three hours they were out there. And I know it annoyed the other players too. Uh, well, Cause they just got tired of it also, but man, people just, it was just like the Beatles had come and those hysterical women are screaming. That's what it was like at practice every day that summer. But yet just a short time later, man, people couldn't hate on him enough. I'd never seen anything as fast. And I talked to other reporters from past before us Nobody ever saw anything like that coming in. No. I just couldn't believe how quickly they all turned and moved on. It, it, w- it was definitely different. So with, you know, again, along with those quarterbacks, always expectation, all this. And when we going back to the first question about how um, are you buying this? What's different now compared to other years? Because again, we've both been around where you're going into a year, 2013, you're looking at the type of year you think they're going to have. You know, other years under Gibbs, you think they're going to build on something and then they don't. What do you think might be different now compared to some past seasons? Well, I think there's a little more expectation of being good. But the odd part is they were seven and nine last year making the playoffs. So it's not like when you think, well, you made the playoffs. This is a decent team. 
They were seven and nine. Played well at the end, but you know, it's not like they were a ten or eleven win team and now you think they're gonna be twelve, thirteen. Now we're talking about man, if they could win ten, ten's a mediocre kind of year. You got a couple breaks. Uh that's so different than you know, I don't think anybody's thinking they're gonna win twelve and I mean the schedule's too hard for that, those kind of things. I think it's more the expectation about being better. And so that's why I'm wondering like why why should we again we again we I, I'm with you on the record, I'm with you on everything with that. Why should people feel like it's different now under this regime compared well, to the past? You have a real coach who's who's in year two of a rebuild. And I think he's a three year program. I think next year could be the real year they punch through. But people expect that it's a decent team. They know this defense is really good. They know they got a coach I think people trust, unlike some years that we just, you know, I'm not sure anybody trusted Gruden. Shanahan burned through his goodwill quickly, you know, those kind of things. I mean, Gibbs had up and downs his second time back. But this time people believe in Ron a lot more than they did the other people. And you don't see any of the headlines of the owner becoming involved in things. I think people like that a lot. You know, the whole front office at, at the park has changed. It's it's a professional outfit, better than it's ever been. And I think fans latched on to that, knowing, okay, nothing stupid's getting in the way of this team getting better. Whether or not they do, we'll see. But the right things are being done to build this team. And, you know, I'm going to ask you this, and it's the funny thing is we've – I mean, I've covered Rivera for now, what, 15, 16 months since he was hired – and I'm talking to him quite often, especially, you know, on Zoom and whatever. But I've only been around him a couple of times, like in person. And so and I, I'm going to ask you because, you know, I want you to compare how you think he is compared to other coaches. But we haven't been around him enough. But we've come, you've talked to him. You've heard him talk. So compared to some of the other coaches we've been through here the last 20 some years, what, where, what do you think of him compared to some of the others? Uh I, you know, you know, I wasn't a big fan of Marty Schottenheimer personally, but I thought Marty was a very good coach. And I think he was probably the best post Gibbs coach, even with Joe Gibbs 2.0, because Joe has been away from the game a while and it hurt some of what he did. I'd say Rivera's right behind Marty. They're, they're a lot alike. He's not quite as, Ron's not quite as hardcore as Marty, but Marty came in like a stone statue, not wanting to flinch for fear that the owner would mess stuff up. So Ron's got a little more grace and a little more power in this situation. So I think that's what I like about him. I've only met him one face-to-face this hiring day because everything else has been, a, right. uh, you know, this year. I think it's going to be really interesting come camp when we're all standing, you know, near the podium and he can look at us all like, I know you and I know you. I mean, yeah, we haven't met Scott Turner yet. I knew his father said, well, I've yet to meet Scott face to face. Well, the funny thing is I tell people, I joke that the last time I talked to Scott Turner in person, he was 15. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, I can, I still can't believe he's nearing 40. I don't know. I'm only 40. So it's, <laughs> uh, we evened out. Uh, it's, it's so many of these guys. We've been around for so long now. You're just like, Phew. it's can't believe the years, but, but I do like, I think Ron and, you know, He's obviously a leader. He exudes that kind of leadership. Um, I'd be surprised if it's a failure here in Washington under his tutelage. Now, I don't know if I ever went a Super Bowl with him, but that's that's beyond his own grasp. But I think he's the right guy to get this team back on track after really a generation. They've never had two straight winning years 
since you know the post Super Bowl time, and and you can't even say that this year because they didn't have a winning year last year. And they also have they haven't I don't they haven't made back to back years in the playoffs since like what ninety two or ninety one ninety two. Yeah, that's the last time. And you know I think they actually had back to back winning years a couple times. They didn't make playoffs back to back. So it, it is just it's it's shocking. They had an eight seven and one and a nine. Right. Yeah, it was always eight, nine and seven, eight, seven and one. That's yeah. what happens here. Yeah, that could be about where we are on that. I mean, maybe they're expanding the playoffs a little more now. So, uh, and now there's a 17 game, so you can. It's kind of screwing the stats a little bit, but yeah. I, I do think they're all in the right direction. It's a, kind of a nice thing to see. It's, it's one reason why I'm not retiring yet because I kind of want to see them get back to where it was when I started out. It was a lot of fun covering Super Bowls and great teams. And, you know, it was so much more fun than, than the drudgery we've had. So Well, and I, and I haven't covered those, but in fairness, I've only covered them since 1994. So it probably hasn't been enough time to cover a Super Bowl. Um, but it, it would be interesting to see how the town acts because way back in the Super Bowl age, I mean, everybody was all in on right. this team. It was a different world. It wasn't the Internet. There wasn't fantasy ball and there weren't all these other things. You know, you were either a Redskins fan or maybe a Cowboys fan. Um, you know, that was it, even though everybody was from somewhere else. But the town was so excited to, during those years, and it, it just led to so much activity. And they had an NFC title game. The last one was against Detroit, uh, the 91 season. They had two, That was when the, the week before was Atlanta. They had the seat cushion game. I mean, it, was, it, it really peaked so much that people, and they expected victories. Um, since then, those people, honestly, they're not at the games anymore. 30 years later, not too many of those people at FedEx Field. Right. A lot of them passed away even. Um, so, you know, this is a younger generation. I know they want to start doing the new name and get toward them. We're seeing the end of that old RFK era um, on that. It's unfortunate, but they're moving on. Uh, so yeah. maybe the, whatever the next team is. I. I have a podcast and my partner and I said, you know, Amazon might be the next stadium name. And I said, that would be awesome because instead of hail the, to the Redskins, they could play welcome to the jungle. And then all the wolves can start howling. Man, we can have a show at this place. It'd be a lot <laughs> break this down for you know, and you know, welcome to the jungle would be an awesome situation. Yeah. It would. And it would kind of, yeah, yes, yes, it would be. Um, in the, you know, the, um, but it is, it is, um, going back to what you're saying about how the town gets. And I was in DC in 1991. I just wasn't covering the team. And, you know, I remember just how, how much energy there is in the city and just, you'd have backup centers on the Don and Mike shows. It was a Matt Stevens was on there. Like that's how popular everybody was. And it was just cool. Like even when they, a few years later, I think it was in the late nineties when they're playing Tampa in the playoffs I remember going to the airport and you're seeing signs at Dulles Airport about, hey, good luck, you know, well, obviously Redskins are an old name, but good luck in the against Tampa Bay and all that. It's like that's what people have been missing is that level of energy that gets everybody wrapped up into it. And it's what converts people to then become fans of this team. And my kids, like my oldest son is a big, is a big Washington fan, but a lot of people I know who have kids, their kids aren't Washington fans because there was no reason to be. They didn't, you know, they would just latch onto their parents' teams or something like that. And so they need to give them a, people a reason to to become fans again. Yeah, it's it's been interesting. I, I had somebody from out of town ask me, he says, 
I've always heard he goes, what's the most scrutinized person in Washington? The president, the quarterback, or the coach? And I said, depends on the day, quite honestly, and, and maybe the president. I mean, the last president was probably more scrutinized, <laughs> but I could say there were days it was the coach or the quarterback. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Two more things. Um, name, you you got any – you got a favorite? No, I'd just be glad it won't be football team anymore, hopefully, because as a writer, you, you can only refer to them as it's, and you can't – Terrible. You can't alternate things and make your story go easier. I mean, the Wolves would be fine uh, on that. If they were, you know, the federal cities or something, but – and it's hard to pick a name without uh, the best name I've heard in recent years is the new hockey team in Seattle, the Kraken. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But they've had something like that before. So uh, I don't know. The name will be it, it, whatever it is. We'll use it. I like the old. Yeah. And, and I, I know Jason Wright loved that Kraken's name. Cause when I've interviewed him, he's mentioned that somebody on Twitter mentioned to me franchise, just call him the Washington franchise. And I kind of like that. Cause you get the chai, you could shorten it to chai's, and, you know, um, you could do something with it. So, you know, I don't know. But because I'm with you, like football team, it's really hard to write. Sometimes I sneak in a they and I know it's not the correct grammar, but I can't help it. It's just too awkward to always write it. So after a couple of times, I write they. So <laughs> I wish, you know, if they went FC, you could say it's Federal City, which was the original name of Washington. Or it could be football club, you know, but I don't think you change it from football team to football club. You know, I don't like the hogs. I just don't. That was a unit that's not you're looking for something big picture. This is hard, I admit. Yeah. Have it. I think it's warriors or it's wolves. But if it's something else, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Um, stadium. You got any any thoughts, updates on that? Well, uh, you know, they just made a move. Uh, it's not official yet, but in DC, they're getting ready to to uh appoint a new group to develop land to the right of DC, the old lot eight areas kind of along the river. They're trying to create a new Navy yard atmosphere, like around nationals park, uh, but more low income housing around there too. They want, they want housing in that area. And that's, they're down to the last two bidders and the city council has got to pick one. So to me, that land is gone. So, so much for Danny world on that side, you still have the other side, but the other side's being developed quite a bit too. So around RFK, there's not a lot of land open for Danny World, kind of thing. Um, so I don't. I never really thought DC was a player. Yeah. I know Virginia's. They talk about it, and I give it a shot, but I still think it stays in Maryland. I, the Landover's a problem where they are now because to create Danny World, it, the land doesn't work right. The geography right. at all just doesn't flow. So I still think maybe Oxen Cove, which you know is owned by the federal government, but the last president didn't like Maryland's governor, so he wouldn't agree to do a land swap for it. But now we have different people. Uh, I think they could get it. And that's right at the Wilson Bridge across from the MGM Grand. I still think that could be the front runner for it. Regardless, it means I'm driving a lot further to go to practices. Just exit over the uh, bridge and you're right there. So the backup will go to Tyson's Corner. <laughs> yeah, there, there, you, there you go. Rick, tell people where they can listen to your podcast, follow you, et cetera. Uh, Seasons of Discontent is on wherever you get podcasts. We we went to a two two shows a week, fifteen minutes, because it's also on my YouTube channel, Rick Snyder's Washington, where I do do, do videos, two minute videos every day, a couple of them, either on the mostly on the team, but uh, I'll do some. You still do the you still have those pole dancing videos too, right? Yeah, yeah, but those are more than two minutes, and uh, <laughs> that's on OnlyFans. 
Yeah, I talk about things. Even my favorite ice cream place, I'll be in front of it eating ice cream. And it's kind of a hometown, but a, a lot of it. I do some of the favorite ones that fans like are when after practice, I'm sitting in my SUV and uh, doing it from my car and I honk my horn and everything. People think I'm driving or something. <laughs> and, and people love watching that. So uh, those are on most days and uh, it's become a big success. So, so we changed the podcast to fit into that format. And just to people don't want to laugh, you know, sometimes they quit after 30 seconds to a minute. I barely said my name and they're ah, boring and they give up on me. Well, I hope they didn't do that today because they would have missed this part. <laughs> yeah. Where we talk about how I ran downhill at Frostburg to get to the ice cream place and it closed right in front of me or something. If I remember. That's right. That was, I think that was after we'd seen Russ Grimm or right before, before or after we saw Russ Grimm in that one bar. Yeah, and Russ, Russ used to work behind the bar, and he paid the tab for us. It was really great. That's one of my favorite players. <laughs> and with when a guy does something like that, he becomes a favorite for anybody. Yeah, the, the old guys, you know, I used to love the old guys. And one great thing about growing up in Washington and having this job is I got to know so many of the guys from the 70s that were the teams I watched as a kid. And get to, and they were great guys. You know, we just lost Ron Saul the other day, unfortunately, but – you know, I've gotten to know Sonny and Sam and all these guys and, and you know, Larry Brown, all of them. And, and that's really cool. I mean, I kind of geek out a little bit about them. The other guys I just covered, but those were my boyhood heroes. So it's always great to watch them. It is. And I, I know even because I grew up in Cleveland when I did a Browns book years and years ago, that was the fun part for me was talking to guys that I grew up reading about, listening listening to or whatever. And, and, and covering this team, it's fun because I know a lot of those names you know, Sonny Jurgensen, every football fan knows him to get a chance to know them at a different level is cool. But when it's the team you grew up watching and rooting for, it's just different. Yeah. Well, I was, I covered the drive in Cleveland, but I was on the field and somebody else. And I, and I may have hit you. Yeah. You were throwing oranges at me coming down. And I covered that one in the next year, too. So I got to see the real highlights. There you go. So, Rick, thanks a lot for coming on. All right. Thanks for having me. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey everyone, I want to tell you about a fun new offer from Monkey Knife Fight that can enhance any sports experience, whether you're at a game, on your couch, or in a bar. It's a daily fantasy sports league that is easy to play. You can sign up on monkeyknifefight.com using promo code JKR and play games such as more or less, where an NBA player score more or less than a listed point total. You can do the same in baseball, where a pitcher have more or less strikeouts than a given amount, etc. 
It's fun. And every Friday, it's Home Run Derby. And on three guys who have home runs that night, all three hit one, you share in the prize pool. Every week, you can participate in their Eagle Eye jackpot based on the PGA Tour. Choose from any sport, from NASCAR to UFC and League of Legends. And of course, once football rolls back around, there will be even more fun prop bets. This is daily sports betting designed for the average fan to use their knowledge and have some fun. Sign up now at monkeyknifefight.com and use promo code JKR. That's promo code JKR. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Rick for joining me, and thank you, as always, for listening. I have a podcast out Thursday catching up with Doc Walker, what he's up to and why he's bullish on Washington. Talk to you next time.